This is a 980 CKNW podcast. Good morning. It's Sterling Fox in for Jill Bennett, who's enjoying a spring vacation. It is 647 and one degree in downtown Vancouver on the plus side. Rick Forchuk is having a much warmer Sunday morning than the rest of us as he joins us from Palm Desert. Good morning, Rick. Good morning, Sterling. How are you? I am very well, thank you. And I know it's Oscar weekend and you've got some picks, but first and foremost, we have our usual housekeeping duties, Mr. Forchuk. That would be a look at this weekend's new movies. And I guess we got to start with Death Wish. We'll start right there, Sterling. Uh, this is a remake, of course, of the 1974 film that starred Charles Bronson. It's based on the novel by Brian Garfield. Now, the concept of this is... Uh, the new one is Bruce Willis. Uh, he's the same, but different. Uh, the main character is still Paul Kersey. That's played by Willis. He still has a wife and daughter who are savaged in an armed robbery in their home. The wife is played by Elizabeth Shue and the daughter by Camilla Maroney. Lucy and Jordan, respectively, are their names here. As in the original, Lucy is killed in the event, and Jordan is in intensive care in a coma from which she may not recover. Clearly typecast as a policeman, Dean Norris, who played a similar role as Hank on Breaking Bad, is Detective Kevin Raines, and he does his best to investigate the event, but it's a long, slow process, and it appears that the bad guys have all the advantages. Paul Kersey, an architect in the original and an ER surgeon here, watches as his family has been decimated and nothing seems to be happening about catching the bad guys, so... He goes after them himself, Mm. quickly getting the name the Grim Reaper on social media. Now, that's something, Sterling, that uh, we didn't see in the original, of course. That's right. Social media. It plays a very big part here. Uh, One of his revenge killings goes viral. Uh, There are holes in both the plot and the production, which is set in Chicago, but largely filmed in Montreal. And one scene with a bowling ball that's outright silly. But I like the message, which is even more relevant today than it was in the 70s, that of gun violence and what a regular citizen can or might do. I like Bruce Willis here. Uh, The rating is 14A in Canada. It is R-rated in the States. It is pretty rough around the edges, but it did work for me. I like this movie. Interesting. Was it as good, uh, just impact-wise, as the original Charles Bronson when you just first viewing? Uh, no, uh, it was not, because the secret's gone. I of mean, course. The surprise is gone. We know what to expect. Uh, but uh, there were enough changes, and as I mentioned, the social media aspect to it, uh, that uh, yeah, I thought it was a really good viewing, a good movie. And uh, no, there was nothing like the original Death Wish, of course. That was the first of a bunch of things that uh, had never been done before. And any time you have a remake, you have a, an idea of what's coming. But a uh, good movie. I liked it. Okay. Now, the other biggie this week is uh, Jennifer Lawrence in Red Sparrow. Tell us about that. Yeah, she's the title character here, a Russian ballerina who has a career-ending injury. She's recruited by her country to become an operative who can compromise a CIA agent and more. Now, Sterling, there are two ways to look at this spy thriller. Either as an inside look at what it must be like to work as an operative in a country such as Russia, or more my opinion, that this is a dark, sadistic, brutal movie that takes far too many liberties in its quest to have a mole in the service of one country or another given up. Lawrence is Dominika Egorova. She goes into the Red Sparrow training program because she has no choice, just like everybody else there. We learn along the way that this was a program started under Nikita Khrushchev's regime in the days of the USSR, a place where its operatives, mostly women, are trained to seduce and to manipulate. The training is graphic at the hands of Matron, played by Charlotte Rappling, and there are numerous scenes of nudity and activities not suited for discussion on a morning radio Mm -hmm. program. 
Yeah, taking place in Russia, Hungary, and London, it's a cat-and-mouse game with CIA agent Nate Nash, played by Joel Edgerton, and uh, the story that keeps us off balance from beginning to end. Uh, more than I want to know about spy training in Russia, by the way, mm-hmm. although the bones of the story, when you break it down to its components, are pretty strong. Uh, the rating is 18A for Red Sparrow, Sterling. Okay, and would, a thumbs up or down from the four-check uh, camp here this morning? Uh, that's a sideways thumb. It's <laughs> a sideways. You know, it's really interesting, Rick, because I haven't read a real a positive review about this movie. I've heard a few kind of, kind of maybe sidewayses, but I haven't read a real thumbs up about this one yet. Interesting stuff. I'm a recent newcomer to Netflix, so tell us about what's new this weekend. Well, I'll just tell you quickly um, about two Academy Award winners, uh, Ray from 2006. This was an Oscar winner for Jamie Foxx. He's yes. 12 years old already. Yeah, he won for his portrayal of Ray Charles. Uh, he did all his own piano playing on the film as well. He wore eye prosthetics that made him blind for each of the 14-hour days of filming. Uh, Ray Charles himself was a consultant on the movie, but died before its release. Uh, but he was at least able to hear the final edit. Uh, that's Ray. It's from 06 on Netflix. Uh, the other one that's worth a look, another Oscar-winning movie, is The Theory of Everything from 2014. Uh, this is Eddie Redmayne for Best Actor. Absolute full value in his portrayal of genius Stephen Hawking. Mm-hmm. With a significant look at the relationship with his wife, Jane, played by both Felicity Jones. Uh, when Hawking himself saw the movie, he said that uh, it was so accurate he felt like he was watching himself. It's an excellent performance here on Netflix. Well worth seeing. That's The Theory of Everything. Interesting stuff. Eddie Redmayne is absolutely brilliant. Okay, Mr. Forchuk, uh, let's talk a little Oscars. Tonight's the big show. First of all, you're running pretty high averages with your picks in the last couple of years. Uh, you had an 80% uh, uh, right uh, last year and 90% the year before. You're, you're, you're on some pretty uh, eggshelly kind of ground to, to top yourself this year. And it's a tough one, isn't it, Rick? It is a tough one, Sterling. I have not had an Oscar season that was so difficult to choose because in prior years there was no hashtag Me Too. Uh, there were none of the political situations that are so relevant today. Uh, not enough black people, too many white people, not enough women, too many women. Mm-hmm. Um, now we don't know what the Academy thinks it's supposed to do politically. And it becomes, I think, a game of how do we make this look right and be politically correct rather than what is the best movie. So right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and I'll give you my picks as I see them. Okay. These are not necessarily my favorite movies, but I think this is how it's going to pan out. Just based on the politics and, and the way the Oscar movement tends to choose things, right? Exactly right. Okay. And I'm going to pick Best Picture, three billboards outside Debbing, Missouri. I think that one is going to get Best Picture. Not my favorite movie, but uh, I think it has the best shot. Uh, this one is a shoe-in. That's Best Actor. I think Gary Oldman for Darkest Hour playing Winston Churchill oh, yeah. has got it in the bag. Uh, did you see this movie, Sterling? I have not, but I've seen enough uh, in terms of clips to know already how wonderful Oldman is. And I'm a big fan of Winston Churchill. I'm quite looking forward to seeing this. Yeah, it's a terrific portrayal, and I must say that in that movie, I did not see Gary Oldman once. I only saw Winston Churchill. He just disappeared into the character. Isn't that wonderful? Uh, Yeah, moving to Best Actress, I'm uh, choosing Sally Hawkins for The Shape of Water. Uh, I think that her her, uh, portrayal of a a woman who was... uh, using sign language only because she was mute, mm-hmm. uh, uh, working with a, uh, a sea creature of sorts, an Amazon uh, basin creature, was outstanding. Uh, best Supporting Actor, this is a real dark horse. I'm just choosing it because, you know, he deserves it. Christopher Plummer for all the money in the world. This is the situation, Sterling, as you recall. Oh, where, right. Um, 
Yeah, he was uh, put in for Kevin Spacey. That's right. They bounced Kevin Spacey, and Christopher Plummer had, what, six weeks to, to, right. to complete a role in a movie that had taken over a year to shoot? Exactly right. Wow. And, uh, yeah, and I think he did a, just a great job. Uh, best Supporting Actress, uh, Allison Janney for I, Tonya, uh, Tonya Harding's mother. Mm-hmm. I think that's a lock as well. That's a great performance. Uh, not a great character, but a great performance. Uh, best Director, now I'm uh, going to depart here from tradition because normally Best Picture and Best Director go together. Uh, there have been a couple of years over the past ten uh, where that didn't happen. I think this is going to be another one. I think Best Director will go to The Shape of Water, Guillermo del Toro, for his, uh, his outstanding direction here. Uh, best animated feature. This one's a lock as well. That's Coco. I don't think there's any question that this really outstanding uh, animated feature will get the Oscar. And I, I mentioned best adapted screenplay, and that's Molly's Game, and that's because the screenplay was adapted by Aaron Sorkin. Uh, he did The West Wing, sure, and right, many yeah. other things. Yeah, just a great, great writer. And uh, best original screenplay, I think, will go to The Shape of Water for Guillermo del Toro and uh, Vanessa Taylor. And cinematography, I choose this one because I really hope Dunkirk gets something. No kidding. Really deserves a cinematography award. Uh, so that's the story. Those are my picks, Sterling. And uh, you know what? Um, with uh, four bucks and uh, all of these picks, you can get a coffee downtown. That's how much value they are at this point. We'll know uh, about 24 hours from now exactly how all of the pundits pick these. But that's the way I see it. Well, I appreciate that. And we'll have some fun next Sunday picking apart your predictions and see how we stack up against your very high averages running from the last couple of years. Enjoy the show tonight. The Oscars are on ABC in the States and CTV here in Canada. Rick Forchuk and I will both be watching them later this evening. You've been listening to a 980 CKNW podcast. Listen live at CKNW.com, the Radio Player Canada app, Tune in, Amazon Alexa, HD Radio at 101.1 FM HD2, and on the AM dial, 980 CKNW.